Guerrilla Warfare by Ernesto Che Guevara Chapter 2, Part 5 Beginning, Development, and End of a Guerrilla War We have now abundantly defined the nature of guerrilla warfare. Let us next describe the idea development of such a war from its beginning as a rising by a single nucleus on favorable ground. In other words, we are going to theorize once more on the basis of the Cuban experience. At the onset, there is more or less homogeneous group, with some arms that devote itself almost exclusively to hiding in the wildest and most inaccessible places, making little contact with the peasants. It strikes a fortunate blow and its fame grows. A few peasants, dispossessed of their land or engaged in a struggle to conserve it, and young idealists of other classes join in the nucleus. It acquires greater audacity and starts to operate in inhabited places, making more contact with people of the zone. It repeats attacks, always fleeing after making them. Suddenly, it engages in combat with some column or other and destroys its vanguard. Men continue to join it. It has increased in number, but its organization remains exactly the same. Its caution diminishes, and it ventures more into populous zones. Later, it sets up temporary camps for several days. It abandons these upon receiving news of the approach of the enemy army, or upon suffering bombardments, or simply upon becoming suspicious that such risks have arisen. The numbers in the guerrilla band increase as work among the masses operates to make each peasant an enthusiast for the war of liberation. Finally, an inaccessible place is chosen, a settled life is initiated, and the first small industries begin to be established. A shoe factory, a cigar, cigarette factory, a clothing factory, arms factory, a bakery, hospitals, possibly a radio transmitter, a printing press, etc. The guerrilla band now has an organization a new structure. It is the head of a large movement with all the characteristics of a small government. A court is established for the administration of justice, possibly laws are promulgated, and the work of indoctrination of the peasants and masses continues, extended also, extended also to the workers, if there are any near, to draw them to the cause. An enemy action is launched and defeated, the number of rifles increases with the number of men fighting with the guerrilla band increases. A moment arrives when its radius of action will not have increased in the same proportion as its personnel. At that moment, a force of an appropriate size is separated, a column or a platoon perhaps, and this goes to another place of combat. The work of this second group will begin with somewhat different characteristics because of the experience that it brings and because of the influence of the troops of liberation on the war zone. The original nucleus also continues to grow. It has now received substantial support in food, sometimes in weapons, from various places. Men continue to arrive. The administration of government with the promulgation of laws continues. Schools are established, permitting in the indoctrination training of recruits. The leaders steadily learn as the war develops and their capacity of command grows under the added responsibilities 
of the qualitative and quantitative increase in the forces. If there are distant territories, a group departs for them at a certain moment in order to confirm the advance that has been made and to continue the cycle. But there will also exit an enemy territory unfavorable for the guerrilla warfare. Their small group begin to penetrate, assaulting the roads, destroying bridges, planting mines, sowing disquiet. With the ups and downs characteristics of warfare, the movement continues to grow. By this time, the extensive work among the masses makes easy movement of forces possible in unfavorable territory, and so opens the final stage, which is suburban guerrilla warfare. Sabotage increases considerably in the whole zone. Life is paralyzed. The zone is conquered. The guerrillas then go into other zones where they fight with the enemy army along defined fronts. By now, the heavy arms have been captured, perhaps even some tanks. The fight is more equal. The enemy falls when the process of partial victories becomes transformed into final victories. That is to say, when the enemy is brought to accept battle in conditions imposed by the guerrilla band. There he is annihilated and his surrender compelled. This is a sketch that describes what occurred in the different stages of the Cuban War of Liberation, but it has a content approximating the universal. Nevertheless, it will not always be possible to count on the degree of intimacy with the people, the condition, and the leadership that existed in our war. It is unnecessary to say that Fidel Castro possesses the high qualities of a fighter and statesman. Our path, our struggle, and our triumph we owe to his vision. We cannot say that without him the victory of the people would not have been achieved. But that victory would not certainly have cost much more and would have been less complete.